Before we go into the message anymore, I wanted us to take just a moment and have a time of prayer. Uh, I received an email from one of our parents here whose kids run cross-country. And yesterday at a cross-country meet that many of our area students were involved in, one of the young ladies from another school uh, down east uh, experienced some kind of health uh, crisis emergency and and died uh, in the middle of the cross-country meet and so I just wanted us to take a few minutes and pray for her family and all of her friends and also all of the students that were there yesterday and the families that have been impacted by uh, that tragedy all right can we pray gracious God in, in just the last week and a few days There have been so many people impacted by uh, just big, big tragedies. Things like hurricanes, people that have lost everything. And then yesterday, the, the, a young life that is far too short. God, we know that you're God. We also know that uh, you don't make things like that happen. That's one of the beautiful things about our theology. We know that you grieve and you mourn with all humanity when things like tragedy strike. So this morning, I just ask that you be with the family and the friends that have suffered the loss of a loved one. I ask that you be with all of the students that were in and around that situation and their families, the shock and the grief that they must feel. God, we know that you're bigger than all grief and that in you, the worst things are not the last things. So I just ask that you surround all impacted by yesterday and by the hurricane. Just surround them with your love, your strength, and your peace. And may in some mystical way they feel the power and the presence of our prayers. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So thank you for that. Thank you. Also, uh, I just love you guys. And you are always so just willing to be flexible and look at a bigger picture. I was talking to a clergy friend of mine this week, and we were talking about the the hurricane and the impact that it had on worship. Uh, uh, He is located in the central part of the state, Osterberg. You've heard me refer to him a couple of times, and and we support New Story as one of our missions. And we were joking about, you know, whether or not we could cancel church. Is it a good idea to cancel church? And you guys just go with it. Like, we needed to cancel church on Thursday 
because they needed the high school. It is one of the Red Cross's emergency shelters. So anytime there is something like that, the high school will be used on the weekend and the school system, you know, stops all activities here and the Red Cross takes over. So we debated, you know, whether or not to try to, you know, go to a different venue. There are lots of venues that we could go to. And we just decided that since we do have such a strong online presence and a huge shout out to you all who are worshiping with us online, this morning or throughout the week ahead uh, that we would just offer online last weekend and the message would veer from the series and we would just talk about the storms in life. I did not, I don't, I don't ever really hear get, you know, mean emails or texts. Uh, a clerg- another clergy friend of mine was telling me that they canceled church at the last minute uh, because the power was out all around them. And within 30 minutes of canceling, uh, he had multiple texts telling him what a bad leader he was and how he'd made the wrong decision. They should always have church no matter what. And, you know, his point was, well, church is so so much more than just that, you know, hour on Sunday morning when we all come together and we sit. And so that leads us into where we are today and, and what we're talking about in this series called The Abyss. I want you to take a look at this image that is on the screen. These are some of my favorite people. They're minions. I, I think maybe mentally sometimes I am a child at heart. And I just love these little critters. I don't know if they're male or female, but they are happy and they're funny and they just sort of go and do life. And so here they are on the beach and you can see, you know, they're reading, they're sunbathing, some are out floating in the ocean and, you know, some are like with their goggles on looking down underneath. And then there are others that are just oblivious to what's going on. One's having, you know, just some refreshments and, and they're doing all different kinds of things. Now, I want you to look at this image and I want you to think for just a second about what you like, if you like being on the beach, and if you don't just pretend for a minute, what you like to do when you're at the coast, when you're at the beach. One of these minions, would it be, would they, are they doing what you would want to be doing? Because you see, this image, a beach scene, really looks a lot like our faith. And you're like, that's insane. Actually, no, it isn't. You see, our faith is a journey, and you can liken our faith to a beach scene because you see all those things I just laid out there for just a minute on the minion picture, like they're doing different things. Some are oblivious, some are like, you know, just barely in the water, some are knee-deep in the water, some are swimming, and then some are even looking underneath, and, you know, we could even speculate that some minion is out there scuba diving and seeing the beautiful things in the deep. That's like our faith journey. So there are times and places that we are all over the beach. And I want us to find ourselves in our own faith journey this morning. And then the challenge today is to be to own where we are in our faith journey and then, and then ponder for just a few minutes, what would it be like if we took one step, just one step closer to whatever is next on this, on this beach. And I want us to challenge ourselves to think that maybe, just maybe, our lives will be richer, will be happier and more full of joy and hope and peace if we'll do that. 
So how is a beach scene like our faith? So first of all, you know, there are people that are, you know, just off in the distance and they're playing volleyball or whatever. They are not concerned at all with what's going on down near in the water. And we... Uh, say that that is like the people who are not a part of a, of a faith community or have a faith journey that they would call their own. They're just sort of, you know, they're in their own world. And I also want you to hear me say that there is no judgment or condemnation about any places on this beach scene because truthfully, if we're all honest, we've all been all over that scene, even the ones that want nothing to do with this thing called faith and life and God. So there's, there's that part, the people that are not yet uh, even interested in looking in the ocean. But then, you know, there, there's the people, like lots of the minions were, just sort of hanging out, hanging out on the, the shoreline, maybe in their lounge chairs, getting some sun, maybe under a tent, just enjoying the breeze and, and what's going on around them, resting, reading, doing all those things. In our faith journey, that would be where we are when we, when we recognize, okay, so there is actually a beach. There is something. There's God. There's this divine energy and love that is so much bigger than we are. And I acknowledge that that is real. I acknowledge that God is real and, and that's good. And that's really all I'm interested in right now. Maybe that's you. Maybe you stumbled into West and you're like, you know what? This place feels pretty non-threatening unless they make me sing aerial karaoke. It feels non-threatening. So I want to be here for a little while. I know that there's something bigger than me that, you know, maybe holds the universe together, but that's all I'm interested in. Please don't ask me to serve on ministry teams. Please don't ask me to help set up on Sunday mornings. Please don't ask me to give my money. I just want to be and that is okay. That is a beautiful, beautiful place to be when we first encounter that, oh my goodness, there is something bigger than we are that holds it all together. So that's one place on the beach scene. And then, and then you get up out of your chair and you walk up to the, where the water just barely comes and, and touches our feet and maybe, you know, hits us on the ankles. That's when we, we take one little step closer in our faith, and we recognize that maybe it's going to take some action on our part, some kind of action. And so we journey and, and we, we dip our toes in the water just to see. In, in a faith community, in a church, that could be something like, uh, I saw many of you doing this morning, bringing items for hurricane relief. We'll do that several weeks, by the way. But that's what it means to get up and, and take a step and, and do something, recognizing that, you know, maybe this thing called faith is a dual relationship. Maybe it's not just something that's only in me. Maybe if I get up and do something, exert some energy with it, maybe something bigger will happen. So we go and, and we get our feet damp in the water. Or then maybe we go a little deeper and, and we get actually out there in the waves and we're just sort of hanging out and, and playing around. That's sort of uh, a dangerous place to be because depending on the size of the waves depends on how long we can stay in that place without getting knocked down. You know, the ocean is 
uh, predictable and unpredictable in, in the same kind of way. There are people that can predict ocean patterns, but probably most of us, when we're out there playing in the surf, we don't know if the next wave's going to be bigger or smaller. We don't know when we're going to lose our footing. And, and that is what it's like to be on a faith journey too. Because when we get up and when we start taking some steps and we, we engage with God, and we recognize that it's a relationship and okay, God, here I am and there, there you are and I want you to be in here and I want you to work in me and, and move in me, then, you know, things happen in our lives and in our faith journey that causes us to either hold on to that faith and, and cling to it or go, you know what, wait a minute. This doesn't make any sense like yesterday. How many people, how many people yesterday and today with the death of that young woman are questioning their faith? I did. I saw it on social media briefly last night. I did not know that the young girl had died. I, I saw the post and then I got the email this morning and, and I mean, it gave me goosebumps and it just, it was like a knife in, in my gut because how could you not ask, God, where are you in that? But we do believe, and it's a whole different message series, and we don't have time to unpack it today, but as United Methodists, we believe that even though God is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-good, that, that things happen, there's just stuff that happens. And when that stuff happens, when tragedies strike, God is there, and God grieves with us. As we grieve. But see, when we are in the waves and waves hit us, we have to, you know, we want to make sure our feet are grounded. And that's that place and that faith journey. And when the waves hit, you know, sometimes we move back away from God and then we move back closer to God. And then if, if we get through that place in our journey, and I don't know, maybe that's where you are. You're, you're in the water and you're like, all right, God, I know you're real and I'm willing to give you some of, of my life and I want to see how this works out. And then we get beat down and then we get back up and, and we're, we're still hanging in there. It's such a pivotal place to be. And that's actually what we're going to look at in just a second. But before we dive deeper into that, then after we get through that place in our journey, we take another step and we get out in the water and we get our feet up off the bottom and we're swimming. That's when that faith really, you know, comes in and, and we know that, all right, God, you have empowered me and you have entrusted me to do something so I'm going to use that which you've given me. And I'm going to lift my feet up off the bottom of the ocean floor. And I'm giving you all that I've got. Hold me and carry me and help me be out here in the deep. And then the last step is an all-in kind of step. And hopefully at some point, maybe in our journey, we'll all get there. I, I don't know. I don't think there's any kind of prerequisite that we have to be all in to experience, you know, uh, eternity. So please don't hear that because there are some faith traditions that preach if you're not here, then when you die, you're not going to be there. You know, religion's like a life insurance policy and that is not what we believe. In every part of this journey, we believe that God is there and God is active. But we all 
take our faith journeys at different paces and we're all at different places. And so our hope with this message series is that you'll find your place wherever it is. If you're already all submerged in the ocean and you're scuba diving and you see the beautiful things that are out there in the deep and you're not afraid of of the ick that's around like sharks and all that kind of stuff, great, go for it. But if you're on the shoreline and you're hanging out in the beach chair and it is a nice, comfy place to be, I invite you just to get up and, and take a step or maybe let's, let's get our feet wet. And let's experience what life in the waves is like. We're going to wipe out sometimes like the band played earlier and guess what? That's okay. Because there's something to be said for the power of community. That's why we think our online worship is, is so important and you engage and you stay connected even if you may not be here physically. It's a new day. Church doesn't look like it used to. The power of that community, the power of that connection came through this week. We sent out the midweek email about, you know, here is how we right now are going to be a part of hurricane relief. And within just a few minutes, I had a reply from someone that, you know, stays near and dear to my heart. I pray for them, but they haven't been here in years. They wrote and said, I have a box already of hurricane relief supplies. Can I bring them to the office? If so, where is that? And so that opened up this dialogue and and we started talking and they shared with me why they don't come here in person. And you know what? Their reasons are totally, totally logical. They lost their spouse many years ago when we as a faith community celebrated his life. She and her husband came to church every Sunday together and she just can't come back here. She said, I stay a part of the community online I watch the sermons, I pray for the people, I just, I just can't be there. So there's something to be said for the power of a faith community. That power started back when Jesus was around and he started calling these people to come follow him. We've talked about there must have just been something so cool and so amazing when he started talking to them that just made them fall in love with him immediately because they dropped everything. Today in our society, do we drop everything to fall in love with Jesus? Probably not. It's like, can we fit him in? Maybe. But they dropped everything. They followed him. They learned from him. They watched him. And and they were the benefactors of what this life could be like in his love that he revealed to us the love of God. They dropped everything and they went with him into the deep. So then he dies, right? And he's resurrected and and over 500 different people encountered him after he uh, was resurrected. They encountered him in real and tangible ways. And so guess what? They created this movement that ultimately became known as Christianity because they wanted to hold on to that and then they wanted to do something with it. So they had taken some steps in their own faith journey, right? They got up and then they followed him and then they're like, oh my goodness, this is powerful. It changes me. I need to do something with this. So they began to meet in communities. Church is not just what happens in a sacred hour or whatever whenever we meet together. Whenever any group of like-minded people meet together, that's not church. 
church is when our faith comes alive in us and we realize that we're connected to something beyond us and also other people that have the same passion that we do and we join together, we unite our hearts and our minds together for this common purpose. We don't all have to get along all the time. We don't all have to agree all the time. But, but we recognize that there's something bigger than we are that pulls us into this relationship and then ties us to one another. It's what happened in the early church, and it started this movement that gets us here today. So this guy by the name of Paul, he was an apostle. He was like the first church planter, actually. He planted a church in Thessalonica, and this was a city that was one of the seaports, and, and he had planted this church, and then he would go on and move around to plant other churches, and then he would write letters to them. And, and this is actually one of the churches he had to leave under duress. Paul was constantly in trouble, uh, in prison, and, and being lynched, and so he had founded this church in Thessalonica and he had to leave really fast because they were going to kill him after they had lynched him. And so he, he bolts, but then he wanted them to know, you know, Hey, guess what, man, there, I just, I've, I've seen something in you. So listen to the the very first part of this letter that he wrote this church in Thessalonica because these words that Paul uttered to this church, this faith community so many years ago are the same words that I believe God is calling us to hear today. Every time we think of you, and Paul was writing with Silas and Timothy, some of his, his helpers, his apostles, we thank God for you. Every time we think of you, we thank God for you day and night. You're in our prayers. As we call to mind your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in following our master of Jesus Christ before God our Father, it is so clear to us, friends, that God not only loves you very much, but also has put God's hand on you for something special. When the message we preached came to you, it wasn't just words. Something happened in you. And the Holy Spirit put steel in your convictions. So that's how Paul greeted him. He's like, every time I think of you, I thank God for you. Because I know that there is something that is on fire in your soul. You are hungry. You got up off your beach chair. And you walked to the shoreline and you at least got your toes in the water recognizing that there is something bigger than we are and something calling us into the deep, something calling us into this relationship. And now we have to figure out what we do with it. He sums it up, I think, so beautifully in three phrases. I want you to take a look at these. He cites their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope. Their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope. Faith takes work. It is not easy. Some of the churches that grow the fastest, and just some, not all, so this is not a blanket statement, but some of the churches that grow the fastest enable people to have a lazy faith. And what I mean by that is they give them all the answers. You're never, ever going to get all the answers if you call West your faith community. Because every Christmas Eve and every Easter, 
the message will contain this phrase. I don't know where you are in your faith journey. And if you don't buy this at all, if you don't buy the virgin birth, if you don't buy the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you don't even believe that Jesus was anything special or if he existed at all, it's all right. We recognize here at this faith community that we all come to faith with, from different places and with different questions. And all questions are welcome. When we talk about difficult topics like mental illness and suicide, death by suicide, and we talk about things like politics and how do we respect one another in a world where we seem to be divided politically, you're never going to hear me say absolutes. You're not ever going to hear me say, oh, you know, this and this and this, you better not do this. And if you do this, then this is going to happen other than we should always err in love. And the rest of it, it's, it's a big old search game. It's called the work of faith. And here's why I let it be big as your pastor. Not because I think I've got some divine epiphany that I'm just waiting to hand to you. It's because I believe that God is very big. And God does seem to hold it all together in this powerful universe. And God is personal with you. God resides in you with the Holy Spirit. So it's okay when tragedies like yesterday happen to go, where are you, God? How can you let that happen? Some faith communities say, if you question God, you are wrong and that is a sin. And sometimes those Faith communities grow pretty quickly because people want it to be easy. People want it to be black and white. People want no room for gray. In faith, there's always room for gray. So Paul is telling this church, this baby church, he's like, all right, you know, come on, you keep doing that work of faith because I can see it's so powerful. And then labor in love. Don't labor in gossip or pettiness or, you know, the church better be open on the Sunday of the middle of the tropical depression, storm, hurricane, whatever it was at that point in time, because church is for me. We recognize that once Jesus calls us to get up out of our chair and to follow Jesus, it takes some work on our part. And whereas we need to grow deeper, we need to always remember that it's not just about me. It's a both and. It is not either or. Paul was affirming their labor of love because they got that. And lastly, the patience of hope. Knowing that, you know what, those waves are going to hit and those waves are going to knock us down. They're going to crash over our heads and we need to get on back up and have hope. That that beauty, that power, that divine energy that does hold us all together will sustain us through the darkest of times. That hope that comes in Jesus Christ that is revealed to us through the, the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us. He said, you know, your presence with the Holy Spirit is like steel. Meaning that not easily broken or bent. This morning, where are you? on the beach are you in the chair and if that's if you're in the chair that's okay if you're just the water's up on your ankles okay if you're out and you're knee deep great if you are all in guess what you can always swim just a little bit further but we are called 
to go one step deeper always because guess what? This guy named Sir Isaac Newton, have you heard of him? All right, good. I had. I googled. Kidding. That was funny. Come on, I know this is deep, but like, you know, I didn't know Newton back in high school. I thought I'd Google and make sure I had all my, you know, stuff right, but it's called the law of inertia. An object at rest stays at rest, but an object in motion stays in motion. So guess what? We are in motion. We're human beings. We breathe every morning. We wake up. We breathe in. We breathe out. We are in motion. So we don't get to ever just stop and be complacent in our faith. So we are called to examine inwardly what steps we want to take. Because guess what? If we are not consciously asking ourselves, okay, how, how do I want to deal with this faith thing? How do I maybe want to get a little closer to God or something? We're going to go backward. We're going to go the opposite way. We don't just stay still. We either go deeper in our walk with God or we get farther away. And guess what? It is a constant back and forth. I would love to say to you as your pastor that, yes, every day I wake up and I am one step deeper in my faith and I just know that it's all good and God's got this and God's got me and it's all pretty. It doesn't work that way. Last Sunday morning on the Sunday of the the hurricane, whatever it was, um, and I say that because I really don't know. I mean, you know, it was like forecast to be this and not this. And and we really wrestled with our decisions. And then we wrestled with the pig out food truck decision. The team said, we're going to have the food truck go downtown. Unless, you know, like the winds are just so bad, we can't go and we can't be there. The food truck will serve the community. Now, I didn't argue. I just thought, okay, well, we're going to see what the winds are on Sunday morning. And then we'll just make the call. Because, you know, I didn't want to like thwart that passion, but at the same time, we have to be smart. So Sunday morning, I got up and, you know, I would have liked to probably have stayed at home, but uh, I thought, no, if the people of West and St. Paul are willing to go and be there, then you're their leader. You might want to suck it up, big girl, and get on down there. I remember lying in bed and, and praying God, I just, I don't really know about this whole food truck thing. Not feeling sustainable to me right now because, you know, it needs money and blah, blah, blah. And it's a lot of work and captains and all this kind of stuff. And it feels intimidating. It feels really big. So I laid there and and I prayed. All right, God, this is not meant to be. You just need to give us a clear path because the West people will understand we believe in failing. Sometimes we try things and they don't work and we believe that, you know, when we fail, we need to fail fast and just say, all right, we gave it a shot and now, God, where are you leading us to be? That was my prayer. Now, I tell you that. Now, I want you to back up for just a second because when we feel like We're asking God where to go. I want us to remember we can't stay the same. We either go up or we go back, and it's all over the place. And even as your religious leader, I'm all over the place because that's what life is like. It's not easy. It's not simple. Waves are heavy and powerful, and they will always push us down. But we are called to get back up and take a step wherever your faith journey's at. Just a step is all I'm saying we need to take. We don't take steps because we're afraid. So 
What if we handle our fear? What if we realize we need to act on that faith, that hope, and that love, and we need to give that fear to God and just sort of see, just sort of see what happens when we take those steps of faith? Uh, In closing this morning, I want to show you this picture. These are waves uh, taken uh, at Cabo, St. Lucas. And a few years ago, right before the kids all went off to college, we vacationed there and we stayed at this resort and I was so excited. It looked pretty. I'm notorious for booking places that just aren't quite what they need to be. And um, we like are miles away from the ocean or whatever. I was so excited when we got there and you could see this beautiful beach. I was like, yes, good. I scored on vacation planning. And then you go out to the pool and there's all this plexiglass. You can't get to the ocean. It's all closed off because the waves are so big. Now, it took me a few days to get past that. I'm like, hmm, we're supposed to be on the beach. But the more I sat there through the plexiglass and watched the ocean waves, I realized how beautiful they were. The plexiglass was up there for security purposes. Near the end of the trip, there was a group out there on the, on the sand, and I'm like, hmm, now how'd they do that? Because there's all these people. They won't let you out there. And then looking a little more closely, they had all this stuff with them. They had scuba gear. They were going to go diving in the deep. Got to watch them put on their stuff and then ultimately crash through those beautiful waves At some point when we are stepping out in faith, when we get up off our chairs and we take just baby steps deeper in our faith, we crash through the waves because there's a Savior and a Messiah that holds us as we walk through them or swim through them or crash through them or dive through them, whatever it takes. We have to be willing to risk those steps of faith. Last Sunday, I got, you know, my butt off my shoulders and made it to downtown. It was a little brisk, a little rainy. First person I encountered when I got to Parkview Elementary was this gentleman who I met uh, just over a year ago when I was serving at the food truck one Sunday after worship. I won't share with you his name, but uh, he came that Sunday a year ago. It was his first Sunday there. He's been coming back ever since. But now, he comes like 45 minutes early. And he puts out the signs. He knows everybody's name. And he wouldn't let me put out the signs. He said, no, here, you let me. He said, this is my part. This is how I get to be a part of giving back and saying thanks because of the difference that this makes in my life. I argued with him. I'm like, no, look, if I'm going to be here. I want to be doing something. He goes, no, it's my privilege. A few minutes later, Mike Moore, who is a part of St. Paul United Methodist, a, a smaller African-American church right down the road, actually, right down Perth Road, we partner, we've been partnering with them, uh, with the food truck for years. 
He and I are standing down there because the Blevins, the captains for the weekend, had this beautiful vision that we were going to offer a drive-through so that no one had to get out of their car and get wet to come get the food. Typically, they walk up so we can build community. It's not a drive-through kind of ministry. But it was torrentially raining. So Mike and I went down to the lower lot, and I had the privilege of talking to him for just a few minutes. He started telling me how, you know, prior to the food truck, St. Paul was pretty much all but dead as a church. They couldn't get anybody to do anything. They're a very small uh, African-American church in the middle of a white neighborhood. And so therefore they aren't growing because of the racial divide that exists with our worship cultures. And, you know, he said, look, we know, we knew the writing on the wall. And there was this lack of passion, lack of hope. And then this food truck thing was born. And now... All we have to do is say, food truck. And everybody in the church responds. He said, I don't quite know why that is. I said, well, I can speculate. I've always got an opinion. Maybe it's because they realized that it's about more than just them. And that by taking a step, God uses them to make a difference in somebody else's life, just like that guy that put out signs a little while ago. And when we get up and we recognize that God works in us and God uses us, God changes us, and we too grow deeper in our faith. My prayer was, God... Maybe you should clue me in on where you want the food truck to be. God clued me in. It's right where it needs to be, with a continued emphasis on building relationships and community. That's my step. I need to follow that. What's yours? Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for being a God that loves us and a God that calls us and a God that carries us into the deep. Wherever we are in our faith journey this morning, I just ask that you move in us. Let us see that if we will get up and and just take a tiny step, that you work in us in a powerful way and you carry us into the deep. In Christ's name we pray. Isn't that a beautiful image sinking in an ocean of grace? sinking in the ocean of God's grace. That grace is here for us wherever we are on the beach. May we all go and may we claim that grace and that love in our lives and may we take a step, just one step closer to the deep. Go in peace. Amen.